Yeah, welcome to Jeff and 90. Wow, yeah. big wow. sign off. Oh, yeah. yeah, welcome to Not Jeff and 90. Hello. Each episode, and... each episode keeps pace with my age these days. <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty slow at so putting them out, so, you know, it's kind of like... <laughs> We're finally catching up to Ray's age. I mean, we're not there yet, but we'll, we will eventually. <laughs> Two or three years. <laughs> anyway, let's 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 hear from our guests. Hey, Jacob, welcome to Defen. Thank you. So, yeah, um, yeah, happy to be here. Good. So, I think we we've been talking about gardening and and games and shit and all that uh, interesting stuff. Now we can get into boring things. You know, for for people. Um, who wants to be bored while doing gardening or game? You know? <laughs> some yeah. some useless crap into their ears. So yeah. anyway, and that's that's most of the stuff that you know Ray and I do, but not from the guests anyway. So one of the maybe, things I was going to say was I yeah? maybe I already I I already kind of biffed it once in the show. So uh, you're <laughs> kind of like leading into the uh, <laughs> leading yes. into the subject here. Yes, that's been a, a great sort of. Sort of backronym for Biff. No. Yeah, I was thinking if I ever write a book, I could call it Biff Your Next Web App. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think it, it, it can be a, it can be the official book of Biff, right? Um, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. There's yeah. not an official book yet. So exactly. Open. Yeah. Open. Maybe yeah. maybe we should tell people what Biff is. I'm pretty sure everybody in the closure community heard about it, but it's a good idea to give. Um, bit of an introduction the fbi yeah. who listen to this they need to know the context <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> the illuminati <laughs> yes absolutely okay yeah yeah sure let me give the the 30 or maybe 48 second introduction so biff is a closure web framework um and it is it, it's fairly lightweight it's like I think, I mean, last time I checked, it was around like 2,000 lines of code, maybe. Um, it's not like a huge Vulcan thing. Um, but it grew out of my own projects. So I, for the past four and a half years, I've been a solo bootstrap founder, or at least solo for most of that time. Anyway, and so I've been working on all this random stuff. And, and especially at, at the start of that, I sort of bounced around between a lot of different like deployment things and, and basically was trying to figure out, you know, how... Do I want to make my own closure web apps and just trying to learn how to do that? And so eventually after like a year and a half, I kind of settled on a, like figured out a stack that I really liked. Um, and so that turned into Biff. So I, I basically just packaged it up and wrote some docs and basically anyone else wanted to use it. Um, took about like, so so I, I like released it. It wasn't like, I'd, I'd do like a release every like six months or something and be like, hey, there's a new Biff version, but I don't think anyone other than me was really using it much. Um, <laughs> and so like after like another year or like a year and a half of like myself dog fooding it and then like experimenting with different things, it, it got to a much more sort of stable, mature phase. And, and so that was about like, let's see, a little over a year ago is when I, I did another big re like release. It's kind of a rewrite. Um, mm. And and so ever since then, Biff has been in a much better state and an actually good state for like people other than me to use, and and people have mm. been using it, and and it's been slowly getting more adoption, which is exciting. So what what mm. what was the sort of what was the problem when you came to Closure and you're looking for web, you know, doing your own thing? What was the problem with what existed? Um, 
I was wrong. I'd, I'd it was it. wrong. It was just <laughs> terrible. Was I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say like, like there wasn't like a big problem per se. Um, it just kind of, you know, I mean, I mean, it just takes a while to kind of get familiar with the ecosystem, right? Um, and and hmm. so I was trying out all these different things, and also like I'm, I'm, you know, like like lots of hackers, I just like to try out random stuff. Um, and so I was like, do <laughs> all, like I I was doing Datomic, and like I had this app on Datomic Cloud Ions, which was cool, um, absolutely overkill for what mm-hmm. I was doing. Um, <laughs> but so that's cool. And and oh, and and I like I got into um, so my uh, at one point I had a co-founder, and he introduced me to. Uh, the essay from Tonsky, which is the mm-hmm. um, the web after tomorrow, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with that one. So that was very interesting, and, and we were interested in that whole idea of like, oh, how can you make this cool web stack where it's like, like it doesn't feel like you have two separate places, right? Like the back end and the front end, it's just like mm-hmm. one place, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very interested in that. <laughs> it's interesting that it's tomorrow because that's where we started. <laughs> <laughs> we're circling back to tomorrow being yesterday. <laughs> the web before yesterday. <laughs> yeah, or exactly. The web before, or the, the web after yesterday. Web after yesterday. Yeah, yeah. The web before the day yeah. after tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, so so yeah, so like, um, so yeah, so I just kind of had this this tendency of of like one, I'm trying to build apps, but two, I'm also just trying to like experiment with cool ways of building apps. Um, right? yeah, and yeah. it's a kind of kind of two um counterproductive forces there perhaps <laughs> um, um so so yeah so i i was doing like stuff on on datomic cloud ions for a while um and and it was just sort of overkill for what i needed um and especially with there was like a lot of aws complexity um mm-hmm. and and the benefits like there are benefits to that but not for me as a solo person you know just doing little side projects mm-hmm. um so i I did ended up doing Firebase actually for a few months with Clojure Script and and actually really liked that. Firebase is very mm. interesting. Um and and they I mean they have like like their database they have like the the real time subscription stuff, you know, around the yeah, front yeah. and you can say, you know, I want this and, and get it and 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 that's kind of related to the whole web after tomorrow thing. Um, mm. um where where the sort of the data syncing part is just sort of taken care of and the back end is just sort of this this appliance that you don't necessarily have to do a whole lot with. Um, so, so I was like messing around with that and I, I wrote a bunch of like additional cool closure stuff, stuff on top of the Firebase, Firebase database. Um, and so that was fun, but, but even that after a few months, I, I decided, you know, it would be kind of nice to just have like a normal JVM backend on like a persistent process instead of like putting everything into these like serverless Closure script functions on Firebase. <laughs> I think I I recently saw some I think meme or a joke like, hey, you know there is a graph like number of clients which is basically zero. And it says yeah. our serverless app is now clientless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, well, it's serverless, but it's also clientless. So I don't know. No, no. It's pay as you go. So there is no expense. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing ever happens. It's the ultimate in cost efficiency. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, no. but this Firebase yeah. thing, this was uh, after Google bought it, I guess. So it was. It's the Google um, version. Yeah. Of yeah. So it's, it's been Google for a while. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. But I think Firebase, wasn't the idea was that if I'm wrong with Firebase, it was kind of like this whole like system in a box thing. So you could just yeah. like save yeah, your yeah. data and then it would get back. It would all just be like, it was very ergonomic, you know? So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's very, and, and, and that, that's a large part of what appealed to me. Like, like it's, mm. Like it's got all this stuff based. So like it's got the database, but it's also got, you know, hosting for your yeah. you know static mm. front end and, and it's got yeah. like authentication that was huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. And which is that's actually if I remember correctly, I think that's how I started using Firebase is started like just using the authentication with my mm. datomic cloud ions on. <laughs> <laughs> and and then decided, you know <laughs> this is <laughs> I'm not sure if you if you are old enough to remember <laughs> this shit, but this seems like enterprise fizz buzz, you know? Like the, <laughs> just make it as complicated as possible to do like a tiny thing. Yeah, he's, he's hooking up his Is IBM it? mainframe to his Armdahl mainframe. Because yeah, there's exactly. one assembly instruction in the Armdahl that he really needs. <laughs> <laughs> And then it is multi-cloud, <laughs> multi-region, whatever the crap it is. And clientless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have more regions than clients. <laughs> Just in case our one client moves from yeah. one region to the other region. Meanwhile. For whatever the reason. Meanwhile, we're using it to fill in our weekly timesheet. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, I mean I don't want to, you know, uh, say you made up wrong ar architectural choices, but yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's, it's I'm, a fun. I'm, I'm it's sure fun, it was it? fun. Yeah. No, it, it I'm was sure it was fun. fun. And, yeah. you know, I learned a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, but yeah, yeah. And, and and honestly, that's kind of been the progression over the past like four years <laughs> that I've been doing mm. stuff. Is started out with like doing all this like cool, interesting architectural stuff, and then gradually realized, oh, you know, I don't really need this. I also don't really need this. I also don't really need this. And so yeah. now, like, like you know, cutting to the end of the story, Biff has, so Biff even, Biff started kind of like halfway through that, you know, and so like Biff we're, had all this not, like interesting not, stuff going Jacob, on. Jacob, we're not in a big hurry, you know, it's like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we, we want to we, know we'll that. We'll get to this like one function ring handler a bit later. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, Break it down. Like, in, fact, in fact, last week I ended up, I just deleted all the Biff code. And it's, not, it's just a single page. It says, start with the cloche cli tool and, and here's how you write the hello world function. <laughs> So it it was beefy, and then now it is Biff. So slowly it was <laughs> it was way more heavier it's, enterprise it's framework. Now. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> All right, sorry. But how how did you get get, there, so. get to there? By the way, how how did you? come to closure because you know building all the stuff this this datomic and you know mm -hmm. with so oh yeah was yeah, there I, was I, there I, was there period before closure that you were in darkness and then you know how was it and yeah <laughs> how um, did you see the light uh yeah so i've um basically pogram i read a lot of pogram essays um which now that was on the survey so apparently like 16 percent of people who filled out the survey i got into closure thanks to pogram so i'm part of that demographic oh. mm. um so yeah like red waves many program essays in high school which also mm. is why i got into startups um which mm -hmm. is a little bit of a mixed bag um, yeah. closure has has been a much better investment i think um but any, anyway yeah, yeah. so i've been interested in list for a while um mm. and and i i wrote like 
30 lines maybe of common lisp in a high school just like playing around but but like mostly i was doing python and honestly mm -hmm. a, a lot of bash um mm -hmm. i wrote a lot of stuff in bash that should have been written in python probably <laughs> just like <laughs> when i was messing around with linux in high school and stuff yeah yeah cool cool stuff cool stuff but um yeah anyway anyway so like fast forward so i got into college um still doing like python for side projects and, and of course like like some java and and in high school i had done a bit of java learning like android apps and stuff which i've since sworn off um mm. but <laughs> but uh yeah so but so in college then i started getting into some undergrad research projects so i finally had an opportunity to start like spending more time on my own projects again instead of just doing like assignments and stuff um and so i was finally like, okay like this is my chance this would be a great time to learn lisp only question is should i use common lisp or scheme yeah um so so i started doing some googling and and then i don't remember where i first found out about it but learned about like oh there's this closure thing that sounds kind of interesting um mm. this was in mid this was probably around like 2015 by the way um, 2016. And anyway, so I did some more Googling. I was like, okay, should I do closure? Like, I don't know. And, and, and someone asked, or no, someone posted a tweet and they said they asked Paul Graham over an email, you know, what should, which list should I use? And he responded and said, start with closure. I was like, all yeah, right, yeah. PG yeah. has spoken. That's closure. <laughs> <laughs> the, the startup guard of the US. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So, so I started doing like like part time closure stuff for my own projects during college, and graduated. Worked for a year at a Scala shop. Mm -hmm. Um, so did mm -hmm. that for a bit, and then after a year, decided to quit and and live the dream as a full time startup founder. And so then, since then, yeah. I started doing full time closure. Nice. Mm -hmm. And so, would. How did you find the difference between Scala and Clojure, though? Because uh, I did Scala as well, and so did VJ, I think. Yep. Um, I mean, this is like five years ago, so I've already purged it from my memory. Okay. <laughs> uh, likewise. I, yeah. It was, I, it was I, garbage I collected already. <laughs> yeah, I, let's see. Um, I do remember... I, like I vaguely remember the type system being a, somewhat restrictive. Yeah, or annoying. I think I don't know. That's <laughs> just what the depends on. Can I use this? Whatever. Yeah, I think it depends on the type. Well, not the type, but the type of the Scala code that you are exposed to, right? Because you know you could write Java directly in Scala, and yeah, you could write Haskell way of more functional thing. You can mix both of them. Yeah. yeah, and now you can write something that looks like Python. So, yeah. you know the full circle. So with, yeah. with Scala three. So Scala yeah. three. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, remember, it's really like amazing. I, it's one of those um, literally following the the Gartner hype cycle curve. Oh, like yeah. it went shot up. Like Scala is everywhere, and then now there is oh, really? less less noise around it. I think the community has been a bit, uh, yeah, popcorn. Yeah. Worthy of fun. Uh, fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what is the right word. Yeah. <laughs> Dramatic, I think. Yeah. Drama, drama anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Overall, I like I I did like Scala though. Like it was pretty nice. Um I liked mm. it more than TypeScript. I don't know, just yeah. some, like like for some reason with JavaScript, every time I'd write a piece of code, I'd I have to just do way too many like array dot from something something so I can just put it in a map and filter where Scala is a bit more 
function yeah, yeah. out of the box, which is nice. Yeah, that's so, true. Like, not bad, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Not enough parentheses, and, though, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing I the thing I found like from Scala to to Clojure, which is the biggest thing I think, and it's still a favorite thing of mine with Clojure, is just reaching into a map to get to another map, to get to another map, to get to a property, to get to a data item is like one line is so trivial, and but you have to do that in a class system. It's just basic <laughs> hell, you know. <laughs> And then, no, and then you got options, yeah, and, yeah, and all this stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, I just want to get the data. You know, it's like, why do I have yeah. to fight? You know, so yeah, that that's the thing that really got got me. I think then going. then you then you end up with maybe I'm completely wrong here. Maybe I think then you end up with something called lenses in Haskell. Like there is a bit. Oh of yeah, yeah. Weird weird shit in there, but anyway, let's not make it a um, type system podcast because you know. <laughs> It's gonna lose. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You don't want to get that much engagement. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> we we don't want to appeal to that bigger audience. No, there is no way. <laughs> the, the five people who are listening is enough for us. <laughs> exactly. But how did you? Because the, as Ray was mentioning, like you know, we have this um, uh, luminous, and we have these different templates, and we have um, you know mm. different ways of building things, and and also, pretty much every closure project seems to have one or the other flavor of React thing. Um, so, how did you end up choosing? Because, correct me if I'm wrong. Because for me, it felt like it, it, this is one of the um, very opinionate, opinionated. Like you know, you, you pick your components, mm -hmm. and this is how you're gonna build yeah. it. And yeah. so, how did you reach to that op opinion? You know, like this is this is how I want to build thing with. And, yeah. Yeah, sure. So, so it's a little bit path dependent. Um, so I guess so. Ab absolutely, like one important factor is is kind of what I was mentioning earlier is that it started out sort of me experimenting with like these very different ways of doing things. So, like with the original version of Biff, um, like there was nothing else like like mm -hmm. I was doing something that was very new, mm -hmm. um, which is like I was I was basically I was rebuilding something like the Firebase database no. functionality on top of yep. XTDB. And and that, mm -hmm. that was really the impetus is that I sort of had this epiphany and I realized, oh, it actually wouldn't be that hard to like do just a custom homegrown thing where you can, you know, have clients say like, mm -hmm. okay, I want to subscribe to this database from the, you know, from XTDB and, and have it work similarly to Firebase. Um, yep. So that was like the original impetus was building that and 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 trying to explore like that sort of way to build stuff um but then as i mentioned to like then over time but like like after i don't know maybe eight months or so of doing that i realized you know that being said like the stuff i'm building is like crud apps <laughs> like the, mm. they're, they're not even like multiplayer apps or anything yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like the yeah. the stuff i build most of the interesting things happen on the back end um yeah they're, they're mostly like recommender systems so there's a little bit of like basic very basic machine learning stuff going on mm. um, but the front end is is not complex and mm. so all this fancy stuff of like oh subscribable queries and, and blah 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 you know I, at the end of the day i realized like i don't actually need this so i yeah. <laughs> i switched to just doing um just multi-page apps like server rendered apps stopped using mm. react stopped using closure script 
Mm. Um, and and then Biff kind of bifurcated because I, at that point, I changed Biff so like it would ask you at, when you made a new project like okay, do you want like a React app with like yeah, yeah. Script, or just want a multi-page? Because like I myself was using this multi-page thing, but I didn't necessarily feel like that was the best approach for every project. So I wanted people to have like the closure script stuff and all the fancy stuff I built, but I wasn't actually using that myself. So it yeah, wasn't really yeah. getting any better. <laughs> um, so it was kind of in this weird in-between moment. Mm. Um, and and then, let's see, I'm just kind of remembering the timeline. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but yeah, and so then, then eventually, like I, I actually HTMX, um, so I started yeah. talking about HTMX a bit, um, mm. and that was pretty interesting. And 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 that kind of hit me like that felt like a way to go back to having like just one default stack that we give people, yep. right? Yeah. And but have it still cover enough cases that it, it wouldn't be like, you know, half the people mm. who use Biff like get into it and then immediately like, okay, now I have to add in the closure script or something. Yeah, um, yeah. So so to answer your question, like, like I had as far as like, you know, all, all these other things in the ecosystem. Um, like line templates and and, mm. and luminous and and fulcrum mm. things, I'd yeah. I'd use them a little bit. I honestly like, I probably should have started with luminous. I don't know. Like maybe if I had started with luminous, like Biff wouldn't exist. I don't know. <laughs> like at at yeah. this point, like yeah. looking at Biff and and looking at luminous and Kit and fulcrum and all these other things, mm-hmm. like there's there's absolutely like differentiators in there. So so oh it's, yeah it's, yeah so it's can, total, yeah, totally yeah. like. Like they're doing different things, and, yeah. and so it's good. I'm glad it exists. But, but yeah, yeah. my I, mean, my, for... I would did not use a principled approach to get to that point. Is, <laughs> is what I'm saying. But was hey, you can you like... can always you can always you know now, now you can rebuild the history. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yes, it, three years ago I planned it all out. I, and... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that's how software works, right? You know, <laughs> you just plan it, and then the requirements are there. And after seven years, you have amazing software. That's how uh, yes, exactly. software development that, always works. I mean, that's how all the stuff I built works. <laughs> Listen, Jacob. I mean, you know, I, I'm ashamed to say that I don't know what HTMX is. Um, oh, really? I've heard of it. I mean, you know, it's kind of like it's. I, I watch conference talks, but HTMX yeah. feels like that side of like. Like like a uh, front end porn or whatever that I just never delved into. You know, <laughs> it's a category I never oh. never looked at. Oh, um, yeah. uh, maybe I should stop that analogy. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's a good point. And and I have to say, every time I try to research like like something in the JavaScript ecosystem, it just feels like this fractal. And then, yeah, like, yeah. you hear about one library, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, like, how does that work? And then yeah. when you're reading the readme for that, you find out about, like, seven other things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And then you're just like, oh, my goodness. Like, and, and so, like, closure, on the other hand, is so nice because you can actually know, like, oh, yeah, I feel like I have an idea of, of sort of everything that's in the community. And then, you know, yeah, yeah. something there comes out every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, it's at a pace that I can actually integrate into my brain and, and not just feel completely overloaded. 
Um, mm. Anyway, yeah, I totally forgot your question. What was it? HTMX? Uh, uh, can you humor <laughs> yeah, what, what me, is, you what humor me with an explanation of HTMX? Because HTMX, maybe, maybe I'm yes. not the only sort of old back-end dude who doesn't know this shit. So. <laughs> no. Well, you know, HTMX is made for people like you, actually. I okay. Think. Oh, um, <laughs> I feel pandered now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's, it's not, not, not just humoring, but pandering. Next level. <laughs> <laughs> can you pander to me by explaining <laughs> <laughs> it's made exactly for people like you. I mean, you're quite a salesman, I've got to say. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's actually it says on the website you, yeah. like HTMX Ray. and then Ray. This is for Ray <laughs> <laughs> on the website. So you know, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'm open to uh, I'm open to the sale. You're sold. Yeah, please uh, tell me. So do tell me more. You know, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So so the way I think of HTMX is it's basically like. So again, say you got these two polar opposite approaches. On one end, you got the traditional server-rendered multi-page stuff, not really using much JavaScript, right? On the other polar extreme, you've got you know these SPAs and React and maybe ClojureScript and, and, and all this complex logic on the front end, right? Um, and so HGMX is basically like, like how can like if we just stick with that sort of a server-side rendal or server-side rendered model of programming and just try to extend that a little bit, like how far can we get? Um, mm. And so like, so in a nutshell, like basically the idea of HTMX is that instead of like, like so, so with normal server-side rendered stuff, you can do like a form post, right? If you want to mm. change some data or you can click on a link and then it takes you to a new page. And either way, like the entire page is going to be reloaded. Mm. And so the whole point of HTMX is just what if you could just have a form where you post the form and then just a section of that page is updated? So for example, say if you're doing something like Twitter or, or any social media app, you know, you got a post and you have a little like button and you want to yeah. click on the like button and have it change to like, like you know, a, a colored thumbs up or whatever. So you yeah. know, you've liked mm -hmm. the post and it's a toggle button. Right. Mm. So with the traditional approach, you click on the button, does a form post, the entire page reloads. So like if there was mm. state, like if you were scrolled somewhere, that might be lost. Um, mm. If you were typing a comment into somewhere, like that might be gone. Whereas with HTMX, it's like it's more like you got the like button, you click the like button, and then just that little section of the HTML gets replaced. So it's like Ajax, right. so like a, not a page yeah, level yeah. Ajax, yes. but a kind yes. of component level yeah. Ajax. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, mm -hmm. like HTMX, it's basically a declarative DSL for Ajax. Yeah. Oh, OK, OK. But it's, it's nice. I yeah, think nice. it's, it's it really, really it's made for taking me. us yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The tagline is basically for Ray. It's <laughs> <HTML. laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah. But it's it's yeah. it's interesting because you know this is something that that I mean I, I'm trying to build some front end stuff and I got like getting annoyed with all this complexity of the whole front end. Basically, you need to build two applications now to build one application. That's what I, yeah. I noticed. And then yeah. and now you have this fucking distributed system problem and all that crap. Mm -hmm. And now I have like a, a million problems now. And I, I wanted to go back because, you know, I started with Perl templates long time ago and the CGI and all that crap. And, and as, as Ray knows as well. And so then the, 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 the small um, 
dynamic DHTML stuff showed up. Like mm-hmm. you, you could use that small uh, JavaScript request and XML HTTP request where the whole Ajax thing started. Uh, yeah. It used to be just XML going around thanks to Microsoft. And that, that was the... That that was like you know you you were able to manipulate like smaller parts by just replacing the inner HTML basically for yeah. for any of the any of the divs or any of the tags and 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 then yeah this this cottage industry that became like a fucking multinational thing of JavaScript frameworks and all that thing showed up and I had the same same issue as you were saying like I mean I I do like that in the closure script world with reframe and and reagent and and all the ecosystem. It's trying to give us a better design, uh, better patterns, and better libraries for the yeah. JavaScript ecosystem. But every time you want to wait a little bit off of that one, it's fucking pain in the ass to build these kind of systems. And and as you say, most of the things are like, I, I just need some level of interactivity in the page. Yeah. It doesn't need to be the whole thing needs to look like a desktop application. Like, no, I don't need that. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So HTML yeah. has been like a really nice, um, uh, nice, nice, a replacement i think for me it felt like i don't need to write javascript because someone else did already and then made it work yeah. so yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was the and, best uh yeah yeah and i feel like that's kind of the sweet spot of htmx um because i absolutely like htmx is not a replacement for yeah. spas right like like there's yeah 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 plenty of apps where like that is what you want right but yeah i think like the sweet spot at HTMX is like where you're building something that's that really isn't necessarily that complex, and and if you just could add like a little bit of interactivity, you'd be totally fine. And and, yeah, and yeah, so HTMX yeah. it just it increases the threshold for where it makes sense to switch to a an SPA. Is the way yeah. I see it. But but in in your uh, in the case of Biff, for example, is it yeah. HTMX is just used as is. Like you can also use HyperScript. That what is it called? HyperScript or yeah, HyperScript. Yeah, HyperScript. Yeah, can you mm-hmm. use that one as well, or is it something like you you want to have only HTMX kind of interactions? Uh, no, no, you can use HyperScript, and and in fact, that's that's sort of recommended. I mean, I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like extremely recommended, but I use it myself. And yeah, yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah, they're complementary. Um, yeah, but yeah, HTMX is it's just. It's used as is, and it's not like hmm. it's not baked into Biff very deeply. Um, yep. I guess just to give a little bit of background, so Biff has hmm. sort of two parts. There's um, there's a bunch of library code, and hmm. then there is a bunch of template code. And so the difference hmm. being like when you make a new Biff project, one you like it copies a bunch of source files into your new project. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so which is similar to like what Luminous does. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it also adds a dependency to the Biff library code. Um, and which has some additional stuff. So anyway, anyway, mm-hmm. so with HTMX, um like HTMX, like there's nothing in the Biff library code that does anything with HTMX. It's it's just like all Biff does is it just mm-hmm. adds the HTMX dependency to your HTML template. Oh, okay. And, and then yeah. there's like some like the there's like an example starter app that has a few CRUD forms and it shows you how mm. you can update a form with HTMX. But like mm. if you didn't want to use it, then like you just take it out and it's no big deal. Yeah. So just so mm. I understand then, because it's like I said, it's new to me. So if you if you're used to using like Hiccup and stuff like that, how does HTMX yeah. compare? 
Oh, um, it's very complimentary with Hiccup. And actually, I think, I think Clojure is, for that reason, probably one of the better languages to use with HTMX. Um, anyway, anyway, so though, to answer your question, um, so Hiccup handles the rendering. And, and this is actually kind of a misconception that I think some people have when they're first looking at HTMX is they're thinking HTMX does the rendering like mm. something like React might, um, mm. but it doesn't. Like all HTMX does is the Ajax. Um, so like all of the rendering happens on the back end. And right, so you'll okay. use you'll use hiccup and and you'll have and so the way it works with HTMX is like I mean you'll have like your regular endpoints that are rendering an entire full page, right? Mm -hmm. Um but then you'll also have like a handful of smaller endpoints that are just rendering like snippets of HTML mm -hmm. um with hiccup. And and so that works really well with closure because like like you know, if you want to make a, a reusable bit of HTML, like it's just a plain function, right? Mm -hmm. With Hiccup, mm -hmm. which is super yeah. nice. Like you don't have to make like a separate template or anything. So you'll have like these little endpoints, and then HTMX will just be like calling these different endpoints that are returning Hiccup. Okay. Does that make okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then what? So the HTMX is just like a little thing you plop in to say this bit is this this bit of Hiccup should be essentially have a little little gap filled in by the HTMX code? Um, so, yeah, so like you use HTMX by putting these like special attributes yeah, on your- HX dash something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. HX dash, dash like yeah. post or whatever. Yeah. So like, so yeah. going back to the like button example, um, so if you have this like button and, and say it's a regular form. So you make um, a form so, in Hiccup, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you make a form in Hiccup. And and so normally you'd have like, you know, action is, you know, the endpoint of the post endpoint thing yeah, and, yeah. and method is post, right? Um with HTMX, you will instead use like a special HX dash post attribute. And then you say like the the URL of the endpoint that you want to hit. Mm. And so then what that does is when you submit the form, it will hit that endpoint and do the post request. Um and then it'll get the response of that endpoint. And but then instead of using that response for the entire page, it'll just replace the, the like button with that. Right, okay. Okay. That's pretty magical. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I was I was very impressed. I mean, I, I wasn't using with closure yet because you know there's something that I want to try with Biff, but uh, I have a um, I'm still not uh using xtdb anywhere so that's what that is stopping me from using <laughs> using bip right now because i'm i'm using uh, um rust with htmx which is you know super nice to deal with oh, nice. and, and with the mini jinja templating and all that stuff so that's yeah. uh, that's an interesting experience compared to closure when i need to compile the shit and then <laughs> see the see the output all the time i guess it's fast enough but it's okay but but that yeah. that brings me to the next question like the the um, so Component wise, so there is HTMX, uh, which is used as the thing, and I know you use the Tailwind as the default yeah, uh, yeah, the CSS thingy. Mm -hmm. um, what else does, in terms of the web framework, framework key thing, uh, yeah. what else does Biff provide? Like, is there a router? Is there a security thingy? Or is it, you know, uh, all, all those components? And how, how do how do you build that one, or how do you use Biff for it? 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so there's a bunch of random crap in there. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what? So yeah, there's a router. So, it, so you mean there is a multi, <laughs> multi CD and distributed region stuff is already baked in clientless, yeah. serverless. He's already been you, you baked mean in. There's a, a and, carefully principled selected curation of components from which exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and I'm happy to provide enterprise support contracts for all. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, okay. So seriously, so there, there's yeah. a router. It's using, and I don't know how I write it, I believe. Yes, yeah, sorry. Write it from Metosum. <laughs> so it's using that. Yeah, yeah. Um, great library. Um, let's see what, and authentication. So it's, it's most, so the authentication bit, it's using passwordless like email sign-in links um, and mm -hmm. sign-in codes. So like you have two options. You can have it like send you a link in the email or have it send you like a six-digit code, um, which yep. both have some pros and cons. Both of those mm -hmm. are the, re the result of me spending like 20 hours pouring over OWASP documentation mm -hmm. and feeling like, yeah. okay, like what are the you know, actual risks there? Um, anyway, yeah, so, yeah. so that's authentication, routing. Um, yeah, we talked about the rendering. Stuff. Where do you like do, it, what do you do for the authentication? Do you like have some links to a store somewhere, or do you run a do you run a store, or do you link to off uh, off zero? Or how um, does that work? no, so so it's not using any like like third party dependencies hmm. or like 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 SaaS dependencies or anything. So you, even um, the normal flow is like just like a magic link that Slack does then. Yeah. Even yeah. when you log in. Okay. Yes, it's the same as that. Interesting. And and mm. the way it does it is just with JWTs. Um, yeah, yeah. So like mm -hmm. when you when you create the project, it'll generate a signing key and put it mm -hmm. in your config file. And so then Biff will use that to sign the JWTs. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So so the user store is local then as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's stateless. There is no user store. Because <laughs> it is mm. just you're oh. you're just signing JWTs. Well, what are you authenticating? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're the way you're authenticating is you're assigning a token. So, like, say, so you put in your email address, say, like, gmail.com. And so Biff will then create a token and sign it. No, we just we just doxed Ray. I did get that one, yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, I meant Ray at example time. <laughs> now, now he's going to get all this. Well, this is also for you. Yeah, spam. Yeah. <laughs> Scholar 3, come back. The, the, the new streamer 9000 for you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm digressing. Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so token. The token yeah. contains the email address ray at example dot com, right, okay. and it is signed so that you know it, the the secret signing key that Biff has on the back end is used to sign that key or that token. <laughs> okay, so then yeah. we take the token and we email it to you, right? Um, and say check your email. So if you you then click on the link and then that link includes the token. And so Biff knows, okay, you have this token that we signed. The only way you could have this token is if you have access to this email address. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Mm. But is it possible to plug in like a two-factor thing into this one? If um, I mean it's possible you know. in the sense that closure is turn complete. Yeah. <laughs> 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 PR's welcome. <laughs> 
<laughs> so no, I, I have not built in anything as far as multi-factor authentication. And if you did need that, I would like, if someone came to me today and said, oh, I need multi-factor authentication, I would say just use Auth0. Probably yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Or, or maybe yeah. Firebase Auth. I don't know if they do multi-factor. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of thinking like, oh, should I build out more authentication things? But I, I feel like for Biff, like the authentication stuff it has now, like it's simple enough, like it's good enough for sort of you know the solo developer use case that I'm primarily targeting. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you really need something more complex, then I, I think yeah, it, yeah. it makes sense just use. Yeah, I think all zero is a fair, you know, fair uh, way to use that one because these days, I think authentication is painful enough that um, with the SSOs and all that stuff, and yeah. it's better to just plug in Okta or Auth zero or one of these things than yeah. one and yeah. external. It's just a bit of a weird thing that you're you're you're, you know, kind of giving away the most critical component of your <laughs> system to you know the, and then it it brings back the weird memories of the IDPs that that. The, all the systems used to build like Oracle had used to have their own IDP and all that nonsense. So, anyway, it's a different problem. I mean, yeah. surely what you should yeah. do is just have a Facebook uh, signing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's the best way. Yeah, I am joking, true. everybody. Okay. <laughs> well, you you know you know have Ray's email address, so please complain. <laughs> Ray at example dot com. <laughs> I did get that one. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, um, so so you've got you've got HTML, you've got authentication, uh, some yeah. some some value of that, uh, you know, uh, which I think, like you say, it's it's a, definitely a nice start, you know. Yeah, yeah. So authentication we got routing. Um, also the database XTDB, which is another one of the main components. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why why XTDB? Why not um, you know? MongoDB. That's well, that's, yeah, why not MongoDB? Well, we I think, I think the better yeah, question is why MongoDB? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why? Why, why, don't, why don't you want to shoot yourself in the cock? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, joking, it's funny course, that it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think that the jokes are now going to live forever on MongoDB, although they changed their <laughs> entire design and everything. But no, oh, I mean, yeah. why not ClickHouse? Why not you know something else? Is there any reason? And how pluggable is this thing? Pluggable? Oh, oh, like like could you use a different database? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So now that so, yeah, now that, to... now that uh, what you might call it now that uh, the atomic is free now. The atomic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's free. Yeah, yeah. So okay, yeah, <laughs> what so... do you call it? This is a closure podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like they they what was it? They something. Uh, yeah, 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 they something some some there. database thing. Yeah. They quill. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So so. So coming to that question, yeah, it, it's it's pluggable. Like you can mm-hmm. you can replace it, because um, because again, it's like like Biff provides some convenience layers on top of XTDB, um, mm-hmm. but like like as far as like other than that, the integration is just mainly in the template app again. So it's like mm-hmm. like the, when you make a new project and it's got some example code, like here's how you query some from the database, here's how you save mm-hmm. some from the database. So like if yeah. you wanted to use Postgres or ClickHouse or, or whatever, yeah, yeah. You can, or MongoDB, <laughs> you can just, yeah. just go through the template app and just take all the calls to XTDB and just replace them. The thing I like about XTDB, which is a bit MongoDB-like, is that you can just take some take some Eden and just store it. Yeah, Whereas like with, with uh, MongoDB, if you can do the same, but with Datomic, oh no, 
you've got to set your schema up front. You know? Yeah, you got the schema. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and so I'll get into the the first question now, which is why why do yeah. I like XDB? So yeah, FYI, yeah, yeah. just so we're clear, XDB is the world's best database. Okay. And <laughs> and that okay. has nothing to do with the fact that. Juxt is a corporate sponsor. sponsoring. It has nothing. To, <laughs> totally unrelated. Um, just on the merits, yeah. XTDB is the best database in the world. I'm, I'm also <laughs> working with Juxt at the moment, and I think they're a great company. And, uh, and that database is awesome. So, yeah, that's uh, Juxt, 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 Juxt. Juxt, Juxt, Juxt. <laughs> I think I think we should have like subliminal messaging, right? Every ten seconds, someone says "Jax" like irrelevant, like there is our XTDB or something. Just keep saying that one, you know. I've heard of that closure function, Jax. It's discreet. You can you can have sponsorship detail or deals where it's like you know how many mentions of your brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but is is that is that the reason like it is named like four character? You know, word because I, when we had like folks from Jackson, they're like, we, we wanted to pick something that is a four character thing. Pretty much all the projects that we do are four character stuff. Yeah. Yes. Well, also, also, they're just recycling the last half of Jux. Ah, yeah, yeah, XD, that's true. Yeah. No, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very sustainable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like they're already. Used they've really got two letters. They've really got two letters now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you know, Ma uh, the 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 CTO Malcolm, he's made this website called Site. We should change it to XT, whatever. Yeah, it's, XT something. Yeah, X, yeah. XT website. <laughs> XTWS. Yeah. He's, come on, Mark. That's for free. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nice. Yes. Uh, okay. 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 So, yeah. original question: Why is XDB? Okay. Other, other, other than the bags of money, why XDB? <laughs> other, other than the bags of money. Okay. What so, first attracted you to millionaire? <laughs> yeah. So okay. Yeah. Okay. So anyway. 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 Mm. I started with Datomic, um, which is great. Yeah. I mm. used used Datomic for like a um, year and a half, I think, and mm -hmm. um, did it with like the pure, the pure client, whatever that's called, uh, for a while, mm -hmm. and then did Cloud Irons, as I mentioned earlier. Um, yeah. I I eventually kind of came to the conclusion, like, it, it felt like the Atomic was more um, targeted towards, I don't know if I'd say, like, enterprise use case, but certainly <laughs> people who are larger than me. Sure. Like <laughs> people, with more, people with more money. <laughs> yeah, people who have money. <laughs> and, oh, okay. and, and more than one developer, perhaps, and, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And and yeah. so so just an example, um, like, like big Brazilian with, banks or something like that. Yeah, 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 I don't know. Exactly. So, yeah, something yeah. Like that, right. <laughs> so so just an example. So with the the peer client, um, if you want to set it up, and and hopefully it's the same way. I don't want to be spouting misinformation about Datomic because I haven't actually been been um, on that scene in a while. But mm -hmm. at least at the time, like you got the transactor and you have the mm -hmm. peer process, right? So like if you want yep. to say go like load up a digital ocean thing and, and start deploying an app with a datomic pure thing like that's two separate jvm processes you need mm. right yeah um, yep. and and then there's a question of like storage backend which i don't remember I don't, yeah 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 you need to switch between i mean you need to pick a yeah, postgres, postgres or, or dynamo db or yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah something like that so yeah. so like that's like so, i mean you could pretend so again so for the solo developer use case like my use case um i could possibly just put them on the same machine but i mean you got two jvms on one machine which could be yeah. hairy 
with yeah. memory usage and things, or or you gotta yeah. like just have two different you yeah. know droplet like VMs that you're. They migrated to they have a REST API client now, so you don't yeah. need mm. to have that peer client anymore. But yeah, mm. that yeah, was, yeah, that yeah. was mm. yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. So there might be better ways to do it. Um. Anyway, that's and then also there's the fact that it's like. There is mm. the the license fee, which is not a factor yeah, yeah. anymore. But at the time, it's it's like, yeah, yeah. Do I even like would I want to use a database? And then you know, after a year, I can't use any updates and stuff. And so it it just it didn't yeah, feel yeah. like it was really um, the best fit for my use case, if you know what I mean. Um, mm, whereas yeah. XTDB, mm. uh, one of the really nice things about XTDB is is that it's it all just fits in a single JVM process, right? Mm, so like, mm. if you want to um, I mean, you, you need to choose the storage backend, right? But like, so say in development, you can use the like file system for the storage mm -hmm. backend. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. you just got like, you got your app process and you got the XTDB thing. Mm -hmm. That's just part of that process. You just started up in the same thing. So a single JVM and and like, if you want to deploy it, mm -hmm. um, you can, I mean, I mean, one option is you can just keep using the file system backend and just do like, like disk backups or whatever, or you yeah. can use um, Postgres as a storage backend, which is mm -hmm. great. Um, because again, mm -hmm. like you still you got the one droplet with all of your closure process stuff in it, and then just use and that then one database. Yeah, and and just yeah, Postgres, and because like every everyone has a Postgres, like a managed yeah. Postgres thing you can plug into. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so just from like like the deployment ops side, I found like XTDB felt um pretty nice to me. Like it, mm -hmm. felt, it fit pretty well with the whole solo developer thing. Um, so that was big. Um, comparing it to like Postgres, like I am a big fan of the data log queries. Mm -hmm. um, like especially like the implicit joins are are super nice. Like whereas, mm -hmm. you know, SQL, like you get into like anytime you want to do something somewhat interesting, like all of a sudden you've got like like select from this inner join on this and and, and the yeah, query yeah. is just tend to get out of hand a little bit. Whereas with mm. with the data log stuff, it's it stays flatter, I find. Yeah. yeah. So so I like nice. that. And then I'd say the third thing that I also liked a lot is is what you mentioned, Ray, is the um the schemalessness. So whereas mm -hmm. like like Postgres and Datomic, they've got the schema yeah, baked yeah. into the database. Um, XT lets you just kind of do that on your own, which, which mm. by the way, is like what part of what Biff adds to it. So like Biff mm. lets you define schema with Mali or yep. Mali, I, I think that's how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But with whatever that library is called, um, you yeah. define your schema and then Biff will like, when you're submitting documents to it, it'll check it against that schema. So I've appreciated that flexibility. Um, mm. yeah. and, and then it's also nice because like if you like you don't have to do migrations every time you want to like add a new attribute or something it's just yeah you know update your model schema and and stuff so mm. so it's it's nice. been overall like it's been ergonomic it's easy to deploy um it's mm. free which you know datomic is also free of course now um so but I've, this, I've been really happy with it yeah this might be like a you know um maybe unanswerable question or maybe too too fluffy but is there any uh, performance related things that Biff does better compared to piecing all these things together, or is it uh, entirely dependent on the underlying components? Because in a web web framework, performance is always like a weird thing to say. Like people say, "Oh, we can serve like two hundred thousand hello world requests in in, mm -hmm. in a nanosecond," like as if we care. Like no one gives a <laughs> shit, you know. <laughs> so, 
I, I, with that caveat in picture, like, is there something that you want to talk about performance about, you know, in, in the context of Biff? Yeah. So as far as performance, like I, I'd say certainly the largest factor is just the underlying components. Um, and mm. again, like, like Biff, like most of Biff is just tying together other components that are already mature. So like, mm. like XTDB or Jetty for the web server or, mm. or rate it for the router. Um, so like those things are taken care of. Um, yeah. Like Biff does, it does add its own like middleware stack, which mm. may or may not be performant, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. But overall, like especially for the solo developer use case, like it, it's it's totally fine. Like I, I yeah, would say yeah, yeah. to anyone in mm. that use case, like the performance of Biff is is totally fine. Mm. Um, but for the for, for the scalability part of it, I don't think there is any limitation, right? Given that it's primarily stateless, so it's much easier to just you know start multiple instances or something and then just you know slap there was proxy in front of it yeah um it... yeah and i'd say like like the main thing there would be just the characteristics of xtdb right so it's, yeah yep. it's you know a single writer but then mm -hmm. you've got the you know immutable read so like reading is is very easy to scale because it's just horizontally scalable mm -hmm. um, mm. okay yeah i think for the for the case i mean you probably if you if you go to that level so if you if you start as a solo developer and then start using Biff and then you're wildly successful with your enterprise yeah. tooling, <laughs> you know, says, selling to all these people. But is there like a transition path that you think you would recommend as the author of Biff, or or is uh, there something? Like, well, you like know, is, is pay, pay me some consulting fee. I'll scale it up for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm. I mean, I. So I've I've designed Biff so that you can take it apart. Um, mm, yeah, that that is one of the explicit design goals. Is mm. is that you know it's it's not meant to be just super glued together and, and you know you don't change anything. Like it's the design is so that like any part of Biff you can swap it out. Um, mm. So again, like again, like I mentioned, like all of the components Biff is built on are quite mature. So like there there aren't any parts of Biff that I feel like. Like oh, this is something you're definitely going to watch out for or need to watch out yeah. for. I yeah. Well, I I guess one thing I might say is, is like if you're scaling up, like you'll get to a point where, I mean, of course you'll the first thing might be adding multiple web servers, right? So yeah, instead of yeah, like a yeah. single node, yeah. you're going to want to have multiple and like throw a load balancer in front exactly. of them. Um, yeah. And after that, probably the next thing where you would transition is adding some sort of job queue mm -hmm. um, so instead of just like doing everything on the same machine right like you want to yeah, yeah. be able to you know have a separate worker node and have your web service put stuff onto it and and that mm -hmm. is something like if i was doing that today i would probably just add in redis maybe and yeah, use yeah. whatever library people are using for redis because mm -hmm. xt xtdb is um like you could you could build some job queue stuff on top of it, but it's not really ideal for that. Um, yeah. I mean, but I think, yeah, I yeah. think XGB, you know, to, to use our sponsors uh, time here, uh, you know, I think it is quite scalable. <laughs> They're not scalable. sponsors, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. I, uh, I was going to say the, uh, <clears throat> the, the, what you might call it, the, the, it is quite a scalable solution because you can, 
yeah. have Kafka in front of it and all this kind of stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. So yeah, totally. I think there are architectures where it does grow, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I think yeah. that the, the database side, I think, because the scalability is multi-pronged issue, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. you want to scale the website of it. And yeah. and luckily, you don't need to worry about, there is no separate front end that you need to scale in, in because you're using, you know, HTMX plus different. Mm-hmm. If once you start scaling the web nodes, you're essentially scaling the entire web app by itself. I and, think that's it, to be honest and, though, yeah. VJ. I mean, I think what yeah. what Biff is aimed for is like, yeah, relatively small scale web apps. And if you're going to mm. design like a massively super scaled application, yeah, yeah. you've probably got other problems. You know, you, you know, yeah, you're yeah, already, totally. you're already, I mean, you're already into then, like a team, and you've got architecture. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. maybe you're going for yeah. event driven models and shit like this. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, so, g- given that, I think you know the success rate of startups, and when you start with yeah, a small yeah, beef yeah. app, and then you want to scale up, and you're you're one of those unicorns now and then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so the way I think about it is that, like, um, so so one Biff Biff is is meant to be ideal for you know hobbyists, right? Um, mm-hmm. but it it is also meant to be good for you know quote unquote serious apps like, like yeah, startups, yeah. which is I mean, which is my use yeah. case. Like, I've been a full time yeah. startup founder yeah. for the past four and a half years. So, um, mm-hmm. so like that is. In, in fact, I mean, that's the first case because like the, the primary target user of Biff is myself. And, and so I'll just find decisions are, you yeah, know, what do yeah. I want? And then as a secondary thing, you know, what would maybe hobbyists want or something. Um, yeah. So anyway, so like the idea I have with Biff is I want it to be good enough for that use case. Like say you're, you know, a solo founder and, and you're working on it full time. Like I want Biff to be enough that you can just focus on iterating towards product market fit. Mm-hmm. And once you yeah, hit yeah. product market fit, then yeah. you know do whatever you need to do. Maybe exactly. like rip it out, use Fulcrow, or, yeah, or yeah. whatever yeah. you need to do, yeah. right? Um, but until yeah. you get to that point, Biff should ideally be enough that you don't need to worry about too much of yeah. the like. So it gives the be- initial velocity you need to to deliver something that you can test the idea and then make sure that your yeah. product is actually doing. So it's a minimum viable product type. Type yeah, stack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I would say it. And and again, yeah. like I, my my intent is that Biff can also still, you know, grow with your app. It's not like you hit product market fit and now Biff mm, just falls yeah, apart. Yeah. Like that's yeah. I, I mean, hopefully that's, Biff that's is switch, not like that. Let's switch to Ruby on Rails now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the the idea is like once you get to there though, like Biff's Biff's not doing anything for you necessarily it's just hopefully not getting in your way so like yeah, it helps you get to there and then it gets out of the way but yeah mm-hmm. like probably on like a single node with xtdb in the back uh you can probably support like hundreds of concurrent users oh yeah so you have yeah. to be you'd have to be you know you'd have to be quite successful to get more than a few hundred <laughs> concurrent users yeah you know i mean it's <laughs> true you know okay. it's like uh yeah. You know, it's like yeah. this joke about, you know, web scale and shit, you know. It's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> getting... Yeah, and and that's absolutely what I would like, just scale vertically first and, and then you yeah, should. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I think that's, that's so. it's way, way cheaper and faster to scale vertically than horizontally anyway. Absolutely, I mean, you have, absolutely. Bigger yeah. problems once, once you start adding yeah. more nodes. Super yeah. cool. I also like but, the fact that I'm looking at the web page here and you've got like ways to deploy because this is the thing that, you know, I like the fact that you're pushing out to a Ubuntu VPS. You know, it's not, oh, it's just some uh, Terraform to deploy to Amazon. Fuck those guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. deploying to a nice, like, you know, Linode or something, you know. 
You know, yeah. Biff started with Terraform, actually. I used to have some Terraform. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of the parts that I took out and realized, oh, yeah, actually, Bash script is good enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I mean, and, I'm presumably you're porting it to a Bashka right now, but, you know. Like, um, <laughs> no, no, not actually. Shh. <laughs> I, I, I use Babashka in different parts of Biff, though. Oh, okay, okay. It, it, is, it does use Babashka, just not for this or provisioning. But the, the whole development experience or the project creation and everything is using Babashka, right? And, and yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, yeah you know, so like, so you're, you're, keep, you're, keep, you're keeping everyone happy, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All you need to do is just add them, you know, CDN stuff and multi-region thing, and it is, it's yeah. web scale. And you're ready. <laughs> Clientless, serverless. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So just to wrap up the discussion, and um, uh, what is the next thing that you have? What is the? Do you have any uh, kind of a roadmap, or is it like that Buster Keaton thing, like you're just putting rails as the train goes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So I yeah I do have a bit of a roadmap. Um. Mm -hmm. As far as the code, it's actually in a pretty mature state. Like I'm. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say that Biff will never change. Um. But I I don't have like in any huge code changes on my mind, yeah. um, which I consider to be a great thing, actually. It's, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. been fairly stable for a while. I, I guess yeah. one thing on the horizon would be XTDB2. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that I haven't actually had a chance to play with that yet, but I'm, I'm planning to, to start experimenting with XTDB2 um, mm -hmm. a little bit. And, and so then I'll, that would, that'll, involves some some like additional things with it like, like the current system like i mentioned with the biff schema enforcement that'll look a little bit different because now xtdb2 has this concept of of like specific tables or or document collections and things which mm -hmm. which is nice um and yeah. that'll actually that'll actually be pretty helpful for biff um yeah so anyway so there, there'll be some stuff to look out for that like other than that mm -hmm. um i'm 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 interested in in staying up to date on like what's out there, like what other frameworks are doing and things. So I can, I can like keep an eye out, like in case there is something that like, oh, this could be interesting to put into both. But, but yeah, mm -hmm. um, as far as stuff I am planning to do, I basically there are like two things that are on my mind. One is more documentation. Um, and all of the, all of the core documentation is complete, which is I, also, by the way, one of the um, big, advantages of Biff, I think like it's got reference docs, it's all the doc mm -hmm. strings you do it and it's got tutorial. Thanks to as yep. you mentioned Clojures together, by the way, which has, yeah, yeah. has given me a grant a couple times, um, including for the tutorial that was funded by them. Yeah. That's really good. Yep. Um, yeah. so donate to Clojures together and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so so that's all in place. Um I I would like to write more documentation that helps people learn uh, like about how Biff works under the hood. Mm -hmm. um, so like an idea I've kind of had is, is to write a series of posts that like, uh, there's two ways I could do it. So one way is the posts, they have you build a web app from scratch without using Biff. And they just mm -hmm. say, like, show yeah. you how to do it with the underlying libraries, but doing it in the mm -hmm. same approach and architecture as Biff does it. So like by the time you get to the end of the set of tutorials, it's like, oh, you've actually kind of rewritten Biff yourself. 
Yeah. Um, and then Congratulations, realize, oh, you have wasted your time. Now go back and use Bing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so then, at least then, the, then you know how it works under the hood and you know yeah. if you need to change something, like you know exactly how to do it. Um, so yeah, that would be yeah, one thing. Yeah. Another approach could be instead of doing bottom up, I just do top down and, and just say like, mm. okay, so authentication is something Bing yep. provides and just write you know some posts that talk in detail, yeah. like how does authentication work? And if you wanted to change something, like how would you mm. do it? Um, yeah. So, so something like that's on the radar. Um, mm. The other thing is, I I'm interested in more like real world example apps for Biff. Um, mm -hmm. So, like one, I've had an app released for about a year plus called Platypub, which mm -hmm. is a publishing platform, kind of like WordPress. Um, yeah. So it lets you publish a static site, and and then has a you can have a newsletter as part of it. It's very yeah. half baked. It's been half baked mm. ever since I released it. Um, yeah. I use it for my like the Biff website, by the way, is published with Platypub. Oh, okay. Um, and so anyway, so I'd and and that's open source written in Biff. I'd like to fully bake that and and mm. turn that into a a pe like a project that people can get into and learn from and be like, oh, here's like yeah. a real world yeah. Biff app I can study and and. And and contribute like if people want to contribute to an open source yeah, project, yeah. have issues and, and stuff like that, and have it be a mm. this community driven thing. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Well, one thing I noticed actually, and it's sort of something that I'm like a big proponent of, is you say develop in prod. Uh, yes. In the front oh, that's page. Deploy in seconds by hot swapping new code automatically whenever you save a file. <laughs> Unlock yes. the power of Lisp. So so <laughs> tell us about that because you know I love that idea. So what's what's your uh, it's like the PHP story, you know. So, like, this is this yeah. is where it's where we we've got to get back to. Yes, you just yolo it and then move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that is one of my favorite parts of Biff, um, and and actually a lot of the way I've structured Biff is has been in the service of that goal. Like, it's it's very there's a like late binding, lots of late binding stuff just to make sure like. As much as possible, you don't have to restart the whole app to you know update your code. Um, but anyway, so like that came about because uh, let's see, it was like a year and a half, almost two years ago. Um, I was wanting a lighter weight approach to just kind of developing my own like hobby projects and stuff because like I'm working full time on on my startup stuff, right? But mm. you know, I still have this like never ending idea of like, oh, it'd be nice if I just had this tiny little app to you know, save my bookmarks or, or stuff, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so I wanted, like, I wanted something that would make it easier for me to just, like, spend, you know, maybe an hour a week and just be able to drop into a project and, and add some code and do stuff and, and, and get out of it and, and be able to be productive and not have, like, a lot of context switching or, or overhead time. Mm -hmm. And so I started having this idea of, like, okay, what if, I was just did all my development on the REPL because I, I had started doing like a lot of like a lot of my um, development on the startup with just, you know, connecting to the REPL and evaluating it in the editor. And then after the fact, you know, pushing a commit to get in case of like the app is started or something. And so I had this idea of like, what if the entire development workflow was like, what if that was a first class citizen in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and so then I started having this idea of like okay I could, how I could make it so like say whenever you, um, 
whenever you save a file and well, and this is what Biff does. So like whenever you save a file, when you have the, the develop and prod thing running, it will rsync all of your files onto the VPS. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then it will evaluate them. And, and yeah. like I mentioned, it's like all of the components in Biff are structured with like late binding in a way so that like, like for the vast majority of the code, like a, a normal simple evaluation is enough to update it. Like you don't have to do a like take down the system and then evaluate and then bring it back up or restart the entire process. It's just well, it has like a watcher. There's some sort of watcher that's um, running all the time. Uh, kind of yeah. Like mainly in dev, it's got the file system watcher. So yeah. so like with the, the develop and prod thing, the file system watcher is watching for file system changes, and so that'll run rsync. But yeah. then once rsync finishes, the local process on your machine will then issue a command over SSH to the production process, mm. which will then have it evaluate the files on the server. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And does it use any of these like component systems, or is it just is it written so that it will just like be let's say amenable to just evaluation on the fly? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's um, so the component system. It's using kind of a homegrown thing, um, so not like component or integrant or mount. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very lightweight, like conceptually, it's structured kind of like component, where you've you've got like a system map and and that map gets passed between these different components. Um, I guess one one thing though is they're kind of at, at least like I've seen with integrant, there are a couple different approaches that people sometimes use like one is like there's one approach where you have like lots and lots of little components mm. right like mm. like, like mm. granular yeah. components you might say yeah. and, and so then each little component can say you know i just need these two config items and 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 just say exactly what you need right um mm. and biff doesn't quite take that approach like biff's components like it's got a handful maybe eight or nine but they're only used for like Kind of the major actual stateful things for the most part like the web server or the database mm -hmm. um things like that as far as like the more granular stuff biff has a concept of plugins um, mm -hmm. and plugins are not stateful or anything so mm -hmm. and and plugins are what contain your application code so like in biff mm -hmm. like your application code is in plugins and your you know quote unquote framework code is inside of these components and so, okay. like, if if you were to update some of the framework code, then you would have to restart the system, and and you'd have some downtime for that, at least a few seconds, not necessarily a lot. But as far mm -hmm. as like all of your application code that's in the plugins, like all of that can be updated just over the REPL without, you know, just a normal evaluation. That's that's nice. interesting. So how is the how is the upgrade story then? If I want to move from one version of Biff to the next one, is it just replacing the uh, framework files and then the interface between this plugin system and, and framework is stable enough yeah so there whenever i do a release for biff um so again so going back i mentioned so there again two parts of Biff. there's the library mm -hmm. code and then the the bits that the template bits that actually get copy pasted into your project so yeah. as far as the library code is concerned like when that's updated, like all you do is you just bump your Biff version and depths.edm. Mm. Um, so that's normal. Um, mm. For the template stuff, like if I change 
something that's in the template files that normally is copied and pasted into new projects. Then in the release announcement, I write up steps and, and mm. say, okay, like if you want to upgrade, then you need to do this and this and this. And a lot of times it's optional. It's, mm. it's mm. like, like you don't, like if you want, you can, you don't have to update the template stuff, but if you want, you know, you can do this. So, so mm. I'm, I'm very meticulous about the documentation for the releases. Um, mm. Yeah. So you know what 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 bits you need to change and and how the, the upgrade process yeah. move there. Okay. Yeah. Nice. But that that cool. yeah that uh, reevaluation thing sounds really interesting, Jacob. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm eager to look into it because uh, I think I think this uh, this idea yeah, of I think everything just, uh, being like constantly being reevaluated is super interesting. Yeah. You just need to change the website to Biff for Ray, and then he's sold, <laughs> and then that's it. But I'm so, I'm I mean, sold to, all this stuff so far. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. I think you know he's he's already you know a customer, and uh, I think I have one question to decide whether it's still something that I want to try or not. So, uh -huh. so what 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 editor to use? Is it Emacs <laughs> or some other shit? So that that is going to be the make or break thing for me. <laughs> it's Fim, the best one. Oh fuck. Well, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. But okay. So Cl here, here's close the enough. Here's close the enough. Here's the yeah. With close with enough. all of with Biff's REPL thing or like the the evaluation and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the cool things about it is um you don't actually even like strictly have to have an NREPL plugin for your editor. Um, oh. because it's it's doing the file watching. Yeah, so like, yeah. like yeah. if you just save all the files and everything will be up to date, you don't have to worry about yeah. like, oh I have to evaluate this file in my buffer. Um yeah, yeah. so like absolutely like like I it's still nice to have the the unrepl thing so you yeah, can, of like, course. write little mm -hmm. bits of code and stuff but you mm -hmm. especially if you are like still get it like learning closure and then setting up a development thing like like it's you could get started with biff and be very productive with it and never know how to evaluate something from your editor mm -hmm. oh nice yeah, that's good i think that's that's something really like you know more and more i think before when we started recording we were talking about the beginner experience and this is something that uh, um, providing like opinionated quote unquote framework or something that people can get to the place where, look, I want to make a whatever the fucking to do list or something instead yes. of fighting through, oh, let me set up the editor, let me do something else, let me figure out the build file, let me figure out what is the, this thing. And I think that 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 initial dopamine hit is so important to, you know. <laughs> Like hooking people up <laughs> to yeah. to yeah. to closure, and I think Biff does really really good job, and I really love you know the, your focus on documentation and your focus on you know uh, um, making it smooth experience to to build something, and 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 also you're very clear on what is the target audience, and 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 most of the people who are coming to build these kind of things are individual developers, right? They're not like yeah. oh we are like a two hundred thousand com people company, you know we need to decide a new <laughs> web framework. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I think it's a it's a you know excellent project and I, I've been uh, very impressed so far you know with the with the way that you're uh, releasing it and then maintaining it and your focus mm. on that one and yeah. my love towards like HTMX stuff as well and that aligns with it and you know Vim yeah I'll forgive that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank, yeah. thank you, that means a lot. But you you were I think Vim you were what you want a podcast about three or four years ago talking about it when it was a Firebase thing with Biff. 
Because I don't think yeah, that. I, and, yeah, and I, was, thinking, I was on... If it wasn't for Firebase, this all sounds really cool, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I think your your pivot to leave Firebase has really sold me on it, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, just to be clear, it's and this might have been unclear before, is Biff was never built on top of Firebase per se, but it was a replacement <laughs> for Firebase. Ah, okay. Uh, I thought you used it for the authentication so... or something. Oh, um... I don't remember. I might have actually mm -hmm. forgot about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's in the history, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was more than yeah. six months ago. I've I've totally. Yeah, fine. About it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it sounds sounds really Super. great, you know. And like 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 uh, you know, like Vijay says, this idea of getting like um, an application built in fifteen minutes, you know, the sort of uh, Ruby on Rails type thing for closure. You know, it's we we've been missing it, so it's 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 great to get some full stack thing out there pretty quick. Yeah, and like you say, you've still got the potential to change a lot of things as you go along. Um, so yeah. it's quite idiomatic in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay, yeah. so I think uh, that's it from us for oh, for this episode. And uh, thank thanks, Jacob, for taking the time and um, you know uh, explaining everything. And um, hopefully there'll be more biffy stuff in the <laughs> in the future for you and I'm, I'm sure uh, we'll all, put yeah. all the all the links for the um, uh, for the things in the show notes anyway and for people well, and and the the platypop thing is it also open source it's uh yeah yeah I in your, can, okay yeah do you, do you to, I no no it's okay i mean i'll we'll, well I'll, I'll find it and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then i'll I'll, uh, I'll publish that one as well cool and um yeah that's it from us and hopefully everyone is uh doing fine and we'll be back with another episode soon. Thanks a lot. Chucks, 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of DefN. And the awesome vegetarian music or the track is Melon Hamburger by Pizzeri. And the show's audio is mixed by Walter Dullert. I'm pretty sure I butchered his name. Um, maybe you should insert your own name here, Dullert. Chucks. If you'd like to support us, uh, please do check out our Patreon page and you can show your appreciation to all the hard work or the lack of hard work that we're doing. And um, you can also catch up with uh, either Ray with me for some unexplainable reason. Uh, you want to interact with us, then uh, do check us out on Slack, Closure in Slack or Closureverse or on Zulip or just at us at Defen Podcast on Twitter. Enjoy your day and see you in the next episode.